Good morning and welcome to all the secondary schools for this Learn Live Roundtable broadcast with Charlotte Lowe and special guests from Lancashire Mind. Today we are talking about talking. Thursday the 6th of February was Time to Talk Day, which is a campaign led by two national charities, Mind and Rethink Mental Illness. Mental health problems affect one in four of us, yet too many people are made to feel isolated, ashamed and worthless because of this. Time to Talk Day encourages everyone to be more open about mental health, to talk, to listen, to change lives. Before we meet our wonderful panel, just a reminder to all of those who have tuned in to watch this live to leave their questions on the live chat facility next to the video player to ask any questions you may have about mental health. Which brings me on to introducing the panel. So we have Charlotte, Holly and Hannah with us today. So Charlotte, starting with you, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, good morning, I'm Charlotte Lowe. I currently work in secondary schools in Lancashire and Liverpool. Um, and I work on an individual basis with pupils as a cognitive behavioural therapist. Um, I run therapeutic groups in schools and um, I deliver training for, for staff in schools. Perfect, thanks Charlotte. So Holly, to you. Uh, yeah, good morning. I'm Holly. I work in community development for Lancashire Minds. So we are um, a mental health charity based in Lancashire, uh, affiliated to Minds, the national charity. And I work with a team who deliver a range of mental health and wellbeing projects and services uh, across Lancashire. We have lots of projects based in schools. Uh, we also do work with adults in communities as well. Perfect. Thanks, Holly. And finally, Hannah. Uh, good morning everybody, my name's Hannah, um, I'm a project lead at Lancashire Mind uh, with a focus on children and young people, so I manage quite a lot of the projects that we run in schools such as our Barnes Ford project, um, Children in Need project um, and just going off on what Holly said about Lancashire Mind, our vision is mental wellbeing for all, With we have a huge focus on prevention um, and our services can uh, kind of work with individuals of all ages, we work across all ages. Brilliant, thanks Hannah. So now that we've met our panel, let's start with the Time to Talk campaign. So Hannah and Holly, what is the actual Time to Talk campaign about? Uh, so Time to Talk Day um, was started through the Time to Change national campaign against stigma and discrimination in mental health. Um, and as you said, it's it's sort of run by Minds, the national charity, and Rethink Mental Illness. And the Time to Change campaign um, is, is all about reducing stigma and discrimination through exactly what you said, just through talk and through encouraging sort of social contact um, and encouraging people to be more open about mental health um, and just talk, talk about it and normalise the conversation around mental health um, so it is about encouraging people who maybe are struggling um, with mental health to to sort of open up and to talk to somebody about it but more generally speaking it's about just encouraging everybody to talk about mental health um, so that it's it's sort of more part more part of our sort of everyday life and a sort of everyday conversation yeah rather than it having like this stigma about oh shouldn't be saying about that and yeah things like that yeah. um so with further questions, this is for all three of you. So, uh, just wondering why are you passionate about mental health specifically, and how does working within this sector make all of you feel on a mental health level? <laughs> um, I'll start first if you want. Yeah. Uh, I think I used to be a teacher for ten years, so I know firsthand, and I've seen firsthand all of the challenges that young people face um, on a daily basis. And I, th I think because. I saw all these challenges I wanted to do. I went more into the mental health side of education rather than being a teacher because um, I want I want the preventative side 
to work. I want to go in and prepare children and, and every child should have access to knowing how to cope. Every child should have it. Um, they have the right to, to know the strategies to be able to use. So I'm quite passionate about that. And a lot of the projects that we run in schools are based around that and giving the children strategies to be able to cope when times get tough. So that's why I'm so passionate. Uh, yeah, I suppose my story comes more from a lived experience perspective um, and sort of being diagnosed with a mental health condition and I'm feeling embarrassed about that and sort of experiencing that stigma myself but then kind of going on a journey and coming to the conclusion that I should never ever feel like that um, I'm just feeling really passionate about supporting other people to, to sort of get to that point as well really um, and to believe in themselves that if they have a mental health condition they can still live well they can still have good mental well-being and a good quality of life um, so being being in a role where I'm able to do that is is very rewarding. Brilliant. And Charlotte? Um, similar to what Holly said, you know, I, I struggled with my mental health as a teenager, um, but there was no such thing as school counsellors, mental health wasn't talked about, so I went into study psychology, etc, because I wanted, I didn't want anybody else to be in a position where they struggled at school and didn't know mm. what to do or who to speak to, etc. Um, but I love my job and I find it incredibly rewarding and very lucky to enjoy my job so much. That's perfect, and that's the main thing. As long as you feel like that you're making the differences that you want to, then that's absolutely brilliant. Um, so with in schools with students, how would with what if they feel like they're being bullied at school or at home with um, their mental health, like what should they do? If they're, being, if they're being bullied, then they definitely need to speak to a trusted adult, whether it's in school or at home. Um, if it's in school, the school will have a policy on bullying um, and the school need to be seen to be doing something about it. So the, the, whoever it is, you know, they need to tell somebody or it could continue to happen if they don't, if they don't tell somebody about it. Yeah, I think um, also just sort of trying to access sort of information and support in other ways as well, you know, because so I think sometimes at first it can be a little bit frightening to the thought of talking about it, the thought of telling somebody, and it's about sort of um, do some research, have a look at, there's lots and lots of online resources for young people specifically to access um, through Minds and Young Minds, through places like Childline, um, and... I think I would definitely encourage a young person to sort of do that research, access those resources and get some support that way as well. Um, and that might sort of help if they're a little bit apprehensive to talk to someone, sort of that would be a good place to start. But definitely talking to someone and telling someone what's happening is really, really important. And a lot of the schools that um, I'm employed in, they will have a lot of resources, say, that I've developed or other, other people have developed on mm -hmm. available on their website yeah. so mm -hmm. that it's easy access then for pupils, do you know, they're not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And also information available around school, do you know, mm -hmm. resources, making resources available around school. And I even say um, within the libraries in school, having self-help type literature, mm -hmm. do you know, books in, in the, uh, and around mental health and wellbeing, um, just, again, that pupils can access. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's some really good ones. Um, so from a teacher's perspective, what can they watch out for? What are the most common mental health um, signs and issues that are often shown in teens? Well, in teens, um, again, it's often um, your anxiety disorders. Um, I'm working with a lot of young people at the minute who are struggling with social anxiety, but general anxiety as well. They're excessively worrying about um, different things. 
um, depression and low mood, um, self-harming behaviours as well, suicidal ideation. Um, eating disorders is quite common in, in teenagers and young people. Uh, again, conduct disorders, behavioural disorders. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any there. I think if teachers are looking out for signs as well, it's, it's looking for behaviour changes because um, the teachers are probably best placed to know the pupils and know exactly what they're like. So if they go withdrawn and they're not usually, it's just looking out for patterns or signs where they're not acting like they normally act. Um, and there could be more physical signs like weight loss, weight gain, and things like covering up, wearing jumpers when they don't usually wear jumpers. And I think like a lot of behavioural, so um, it might be attendance concerns where pupils aren't even coming into, you know, they're not able to get into school, uh, punctuality, students turning up late. Um, I think that's why it's also important that all staff re receive training in mental health because often reception staff are the ones who are seeing these pupils turning up late, you know, they're the ones who are seeing um, perhaps pupils looking they're not taking care of themselves, mm. thinking the teenage years as well, there's a big focus on what we look like and I think that's a sign as well that mm. pupils might not be taking care of themselves like they used to, so more, I suppose, self-neglect or not, not as much mm. self-care. So with cases like those, what can schools do to ensure the well-being of students, like if they're looking like they're not being kept like they used to and things I like think, that? I um think... Looking, you need to log it, you need to record it and look for patterns, I think, about it. Um, but like, have that conversation yeah, with the people. You need to talk about it, have the conversation. Definitely. Find out mm. What's why, yeah, why they're doing what they're doing and they might just open up. Mm. Yeah, and I think just as a school kind of providing that space, you know, and, and sort of promoting that culture that people, you know, young people can come and talk to us, you know, if especially if you're struggling um, and sort of making sure you've got like a confidential space and a space that's comfortable for a young person to come and disclose if they're not sort of feeling feeling the best or the worried about the mental health. Definitely. I think key what you've just said as well, um, that normalisation, you know, mm. um, helping young people realise that it's okay to feel anxious. We all feel anxious mm. at times, it's okay to have a bad day. Um, whereas I have seen quite a lot recently, because we are talking about mental health a lot more, I'm finding a lot of young people self-diagnosing, so they'll mm. come and say that they, you know, they're feeling depressed, when it might just be that they've been feeling quite low for that one day. Mm. Um, so this is why building resilience, which we've said, mm. you know, in young people, but helping them to realise that it's okay not to feel okay for, do you know, yeah. and that a bad day is a bad day that we all experience. And know? educating them in the language as well to be exactly. able to talk about it too is really important. Absolutely, that's brilliant. Thanks guys for that. So we're now going to go to some questions from the live chat facility. Um, so we've got one from Miss Jukes. Um, and she says, we held a Time to Talk hub on Friday for the children in our school, which they really enjoyed. So that's amazing. Um, can you suggest some ways to support children who are needing support with their own mental health? I think when, when the way we see it, there's different kind of spectrums to the support you give to school. So there's a universal approach, which is a preventative way and you're doing it to the whole all of the children, um, so they all have the knowledge and they all have the strategies, and then it, then you'd go more into a intervention if they need more support, more specialised support, then mm. you'd go more into the in intervention side of it. Mm. So as a school, I would definitely be doing some early prevention, doing something with the whole school, getting them knowing what mental health is, getting them used to the language, 
getting instilling early resilience skills as well and strategies and then you can kind of assess which children are going to need more support after that. I think it's important as well just for schools to be aware of of sort of other provision that's out there if a young person did need some intervention or you know some some sort of um, support maybe through their GP or through so I think it's just good for, for schools to sort of be really well informed about what, what services are out there and what other provision they could potentially bring into school to support young people more on a one-to-one basis or provide interventions. Perfect, brilliant. Thank you for those. So we've got one from uh, Mrs K, and she said, kind of linking to with the whole school addressing it too, she's wondering, is it best to talk about mental health individually with students or as a class slash group or bit of both i think we agree yeah. to everyone to everyone <laughs> yeah to the whole it, every every child deserves to know like i said before every child deserves to have the kind of skills to be able to cope when times get tough and they need the language to be able to do that and they they all need that so to me it's yeah. every every yeah. child yeah. whole class that's brilliant. Well, thank you, guys. So that's all the questions from the chat facility. Um, so do you guys have any live demonstration? Charlotte, you said you've got something, yeah, haven't I you? Yeah, I can. Um, what this is looking at is saying that we all have um, a positive self and a negative self. Um, and what I mean by that is these things we like about ourselves, things we're proud of ourselves for, but there's also things we don't like about ourselves, things that we wish we could change. Because naturally, most of us spend... Um, a lot of our time thinking about the things that haven't gone so well or the things we don't like about ourselves. If we imagine each of these crosses and memories in our brain, then the neurological pathways, the pathways in our brain to those memories uh, are like this fast motorway um, for those negative memories because they quickly and you know come to mind. They often link together as well. So when one negative memory occurs, it can remind us of other negative events when or similar times when we've we've been let down or we've not done things that we wanted to achieve whatever uh, in terms of the positive sense of self because we spend less time thinking about those things that we like about ourselves the the neurological pathways in our brain are like this this little country road so it does exist but we have to consciously consciously sit and think about those memories think about those things that we like so what this is saying is that if we can change the way we think about ourselves and focus more on the things that we do well, focus more on the things that we like about ourselves, we can change the way that our brain's wired so we can build those neurological pathways on that more positive side so that eventually what we would like is for those positive memories, for those to come to mind more easily rather than the negative memories. And what this is looking at, I think it's important with secondary school age children to help them understand what's going on in their brains, you know, what's what's happening in their brains at, at this time in their lives. And um, for us all, it's understanding that we have this emotional part of our brain that often can get triggered when we're feeling quite anxious, when we're feeling quite angry or upset about something. And when that happens, you know, that the blood stops flowing to that thinking part of our brain, our frontal cortex, so we can't think rationally about things, we can't calm ourselves down. So I think it's important for young people to be able to recognise in themselves when they're starting to feel anxious, when they're starting to feel angry, and be able to do something about it, a bit like this. So being able to recognise when they're starting to feel more stressed, when they're starting to feel more angry, upset, etc., and do something about it before it gets to that boiling point, before it gets to that point where it it feels too much. Um, So again, it's self-awareness, and I think in secondary school children it's 
yes, we want to educate staff so that staff can recognise the signs in young people, but we really need to educate the young people so that they can recognise the signs in themselves and in other people uh, and know where to go for further support. Absolutely, that's brilliant. Thank you, Charlotte. Especially with when students know they will pass it on to their friends and friends are more likely to listen these days as well to the friends. So that's great. Well, thank you all three of you for coming in today um, and thank you to all the schools for joining us. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you to be more open about mental health, to talk, to listen and to change lives. Um, we'll add some of the helpline links as well for anybody um, at the end of the lives uh, today. Uh, so if anybody needs anything, they'll, they'll be there for you at hand. Um, so we'll see you all at 11 for our college and university talk as well on the Learn Live channel. So thank you for listening, guys. <laughs>